This is Wayne Goldsmith, and welcome to Sports Thoughts. I've spent 25 years traveling the world, working with some of the world's best athletes, coaches, and teams, trying to discover what it is that they do, how they think, and what it takes to be the best in sport. Subscribe to our newsletter at wgcoaching.com to keep up to date with my thoughts on sport. Let's talk to this man, Wayne Goldsmith, the international coaching expert, joins us on the program now. Good morning, Wayne. Mate, I won't be charging you 85 million, I promise you that. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, we'd pay you in instalments as well, though, just like Barcelona would to Everton. Uh, hey, we, uh, we just spoke to Nat Yanidis from Fox Sports about uh, the Australian Open. She's been covering it uh, over there at Melbourne Park. And today we've got the Ash Barty Severe Cannon semi final. It should be an absolute belter. The. The Barty story uh, of this Australian Open has been quite exceptional. She was reeling off all these stats about how it's, you know, our first Australian in forever, essentially, to make it this far in the Australian Open. Um, as a coach, how would you be dealing with, A, the pressures that she's been under and the, the pressures that are yet to come? It's, it's one of the, the little games I get to play, being the business that I am, is you put yourself in the position, say, if I was working in the Barty camp, right, well, you'd be excited and proud of the incredible achievements she's put in place so far. But I also like to play the little game of, if I was advising the people trying to beat her, what would you do? And the the one with her is obviously about keep saying, look, there's no extra pressure. It's just another event for me. Uh, I feel really comfortable here. The crowd's been so supportive. You know, you'd obviously push that line. If you were the opposition, you would absolutely pour on, wow, it must be tough being an Australian in this in this Open. Wow, it's so long since an Australian's even got close. Ash must be really feeling the pre- If you're in the opposition camp, and you wouldn't do it directly, you wouldn't be trolling or being, you know, being just a, a real backside, you'd... You, you might be whispering to the press or you might be whispering to people back in your home country to put some stuff on. There, there's a lot of ways of exerting pressure uh, directly and indirectly. And I thought, wow, what a fascinating... It's almost like a, a boxing match. Is, is It's what the players say. It's what's being said behind the scenes. It's what they say and think to, uh, about each other. And then there's this whole environment around of managing the pressure to either being in your favour or to increasing your pressure on your opponent. I mean, it's fascinating. What an amazing thing. And you can see it unfold in real time. It's tremendous. I thought we saw a bit of that in that game uh, the other day where uh, Kvitova was just bashing it with a forehand and then Ash changed the game to the backhand slice. Now, would that have been something that may have been discussed because we see this term opposition coach used in the AFL and I suppose they are there to look for the weaknesses of the opposition but they will also be saying this is how they're going to beat you. If they're, if they're playing this way, what's the way that you're going to counter that? And we saw Ash change that. Is that, is that something that goes on? Well, she's got such a complete game, Wayne, hasn't she? She just seems to, to do things that are uh, a combination of, of what we were say old style tennis which is uh, aggressive approaching the net great with lobs great with such variation of, of speed and bounce and 
uh, racket speed. In fact, she's got all that, but she's also got a pretty good power game and a lot of strength from the back of the court. But yeah, I, I first got involved in tennis. It was around 2004 or so, a little bit of work with the Australian Open. I spent a lot of time with some elite players here and overseas and spent a bit of time talking with people like Hitty and and uh, John Newcomb a, a little while and, and just talked about what did you guys do or what do you guys do to, to come up with a game plan to beat your opposition? And at the time, so 2004, 2005, it would be fair to say that a lot of the players and their coaches had these little books, these opposition books, and they'd say, right, this week I'm coming up against Serena Williams. Strength, power game, um, all-round technique, uh, aggression, composure, whatever it is. Weaknesses, uh, backhand lob to left side of court while the sun's rising to the... You know, they had incredible detail in these little books, their little black books, if you like, that every time, and they explain to me that when they play a game, Wayne, so if I, I'm playing Roger Federer, I sit down and I go, right, what did I learn? Sure, I got beaten, but what did I learn? Because I'm going to play this guy again in a major or a big money event. What can I find out from that game where I can try and find a weakness to exploit and then incorporate that into my training so that I've got another weapon. Scott Draper, a very, very smart guy, and remember Scott and I were talking about this once, and Draper said to me, he said, Wayne, it's all about weapons. Your opposition's got weapons. You try to find out how do I counter those weapons and survive them, and then what are my weapons that I've got to then counterattack? And fascinating, isn't it? So, yeah, both of them would have gone through that way before now, and, and after every time they've played, developed a profile probably now online and using some pretty smart software and then have come out with a, an attack, a counter-attack, a counter-attack to the counter-attack and so on. But in the end, they've still got to execute it, mate, don't they? Well, yeah, that, that's one of the points. A question, there's talk about allowing the coaches to coach during the games and be on the court. Mm. That's one of the unique things about tennis is that they don't have an on-court coach. They sit in their box. They're not allowed to influence you. You're not allowed to make things... Is it? Would that be good for the game? Because the thing I like about tennis is the people that are good are the ones that are able to make those decisions on the court. Obviously, they've discussed what's happening, but be able to change their game to counter it. It changes the whole dynamic of the game, Brian, doesn't it? It, it changes that uh, uh, battle contest. It, it, you know, I often think it's more like boxing than almost anything else. It really is about... Uh, applying physical pressure and 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 under physical pressure, watching what your opponent does. So I keep hitting backhand, 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 and you show no emotion. I go forehand, forehand, for oh hello, Clarky's lost his tempo. Clarky's throwing his racket. Clarky's gritting his teeth and looking. To, all right, well he obviously doesn't like forehand. That's exactly what I'll start doing. In the same way, a boxer goes cross jab, cross jab, uppercut, uppercut straight, whatever it is, to, to try and again find not just physical, but emotional weakness. And I agree with you. I think that's one of the great beauties of the game of tennis is that combat um, where all the work's been done. I can see that they allow, if you use the boxing analogy even further, they allow uh, fighters to sit in the corner and they get some feedback and advice from their coaches and trainers. Uh, Look, there's there's a range of that there. I'd probably be reluctant to do it, but... um, yeah, I can, yeah, no, I've got to tell. I absolutely agree with you on this one. Now I think about it, I'd leave it the way it is. I, I, I love coaches and coaching, but 
Yeah, let's leave it as the battle that it really is. Yeah, it's an interesting topic. I love our listeners' thoughts on it this morning, 94187700. A couple of questions coming through on the text line, Wayne. Uh, Lads, with the Kiwis losing again in a 2020 Super Over uh, for the what, third or fourth time in six months, this text message says, uh, on top of the World Cup heartache. Can you ask Wayne, how do they um, overcome these perceived confidence issues? Uh, I guess it's essentially about choking, uh, which we've seen at the Australian Open as well, Wayne. But yeah, the, the Kiwis the last night in uh, the T20 against India, they bottled it. Yeah, the, whenever I talk confidence to coaches and to, to players and to athletes, I, I've got a really simple equation I say confidence equals belief times evidence confidence equals belief times evidence now evidence is all the things that you've done in training your diet your sleep rest technique work skills work nets work prior games test cricket uh, 2020 um, one day limited over all those things if you like are the evidence that you're putting in what I call a confidence can uh, confidence can in the terms of I can, we can, you can, she can, they can. Confidence comes in cans. And I say to players and coaches, look, the reason we train so hard and the reason we, we work so hard at doing what we're doing is to fill that can, that confidence can, with the evidence that I can do it, we can do it. When you've got a moment like this, you've got to change something in your preparation and change the way maybe you're learning or reflecting or one of the technical areas, not too much, but just enough so that the, the, the weight of the evidence going in the can starts to grow. And you know, often I joke with people, Chris, I say, everyone's got two voices. You know, you walk into a shop and you go, man, I'm going to buy everything here. This is great. I've got the credit card out. And the other voice in your head says, hang on, Chris, you haven't got $50 in your pocket. <laughs> your credit card's maxed out. Mate, maybe this is not the week to go and buy the Ferrari. Oh, but I want a Ferrari. And you know, we've all got these little voices and... With players, they've got that I can, I can't. And they go and say, yeah, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. This little voice says, hang on, we've lost our last five 2020s. We've lost our last three one day as we got smashed in the series against the... Maybe I can't do this. And they've got those battles going on. And the, the art of coaching, the really the job we do as coaches, is to try and make the I can voice a yell and a, and a very powerful, strong voice and the I can't voice almost a whisper. So they've got to go back to their preparation. I, I'm just such a believer that there's always an element of your preparation that you can do smarter or better or differently to, again, strengthen and, and fill that confidence can to the top. And I'm sure that that's exactly what they'd be doing being the pros that they are. And, Wayne, we're running out of time, but uh, I did want to get to this one because Mike sent it through a couple of weeks ago and he's uh, asked, what do you think is the best coaching structure for junior sports, uh, you know, 12 to 14-year-olds, to deal with significant physical advantages in competition? You know, in cricket we see some boys 30 centimetres taller and 25 kegs heavier that have a big competitive advantage, but is it time for clubs and sporting bodies to be embracing the best coaching of techniques for all players, ensure they retain the love of the game and should clubs and sports bodies not be overly concerned about specific results due to the physical discrepancies of juniors? Would be fair to say, mate, in a very 30-second answer, that there is a global shift, even with the FA in England, with Rugby New Zealand, with sports here, with netball here, There is. it would be fair to say that's the way things are going. We're shifting from worrying about speed, size, power, competition results, personal records, 
outcomes at 12, 13, 14, two, technique, skill, attitude, holistic coaching, making sure that those kids are loving what they do, they're doing what they love, they're getting better, they're enjoying the sport with their mates and they keep coming. I keep saying to clubs, the only kid who doesn't get better is the one who's not there. Your absolute priority is to put a smile on their face so they keep coming. Mm. Fair enough. Makes sense. I love it. Good on you, Wayne. Appreciate your time this morning as always and we'll chat again soon. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear more sports thoughts, subscribe to our newsletter at wgcoaching.com. Thank you.